Baptism is liquid gospel. It is a visible, holy sign and seal of the promises of the gospel. When we witness baptism, we are witnessing gospel played in front of our senses. But if that's the case, the question comes, what is the gospel? And the answer from our text this morning, from the first baptism of the church, is the gospel is God saves helpless people. The gospel is God saves helpless people. The great message of our text this morning is the same message throughout all the scriptures, echoing on every page. It's the good news of salvation through nothing we have done. Salvation because of the work of Jesus Christ. It's the great drama of redemption. It's the story of how Christ, from the beginning of the world till its end, preserves, gathers, protects, and defends for himself his people, his Israel, And his Israel passes safely through the flood so that they can live with him in Emmanuel's ground. It's the story of how Yahweh saves his people so he can tabernacle with us in his holy mountain. So our theme this morning as we look at Exodus 15 is the gospel is God saves helpless people. We've got four short points today. The first is salvation is by God's hand alone. Secondly, salvation is by God's hand of might. Third, salvation is by God's hand of judgment. And fourth, salvation is for life in God's hand forever. Salvation by God's hand alone. Salvation by God's hand of might. Salvation by God's hand of judgment. And salvation for life in His hand forever. So first, salvation is by God's hand alone. In this song of baptism, the great reminder Christ has for His church is that we didn't save us. He did. Salvation is by His hand alone. Through nothing we have done. As the great choir of heaven worships before the throne of God, their song over and over is salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. Salvation belongs to Him. It's His. It's what He does. And that's the same thing as our text this morning. Our text this morning tells us salvation is not by what we do. It's what God does. God doesn't help those who help themselves. He helps the helpless. Salvation belongs to Him. It belongs to Him. It's from His hand alone. And that's why our text this morning is a hymn to the hand of God. Notice how many times the phrase, the hand of Yahweh, comes up. Verse 6, your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Verse 12, you stretched your right hand, the earth swallowed them. Verse 16, why do God's enemies quiver before him? Because of the strength of Yahweh's arm. Verse 17, you will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Salvation is by God's hand alone. And that's really good news because that news is comfort. What baptism promises is that Jesus washes away our sin because salvation is by His hand alone. He saves us from judgment because of nothing we did. This is the comfort of knowing that Yahweh is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation, not Yahweh did his part, I did my part, and together were my strength and song and my salvation. It's the song of his hand alone. It's his strength that saves us. This is what grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone looks like. It looks like we contributed nothing. 
As one Reformation pastor put it, the only thing I contributed to my salvation was the sin that made it necessary. That's foreign to the way we're wired. We're wired to want to earn and work and do. We're wired to think that God started the pickle jar and we just finished it off. I remember when one of my cousins was little and we would try and help him with something. You know, he was all of two or three. He was just starting to talk and we would try and lift his plate onto the table for him or help him get his sippy cup and he would say, no, my do it. My do it. And that's our heart. That's the natural inclination of our heart. When we hear the good news that we have done nothing, we want to turn it into something we've contributed to. We want to turn it around into how we helped him. We're wired to want to do something, earn something, work something. Luther said it this way, we all have a pope in our belly and he's driving us, he's driving us back to our own works. Our natural inclination is we want to contribute something. We want to turn baptism into something we do. We want to turn it from a sacrament, which is what God does, into a sacrifice, something that we do. And so we try and turn it into something we're committing, we're dedicating. And the good news of the gospel is baptism's liquid gospel. It's what God does to us. It's a sacrament, not a sacrifice. Baptism is the promise of what Christ does by the power of his Holy Spirit. The gospel is what God freely gives. That's good news. The true rest we find in the easy yoke of Christ is that our salvation is nothing we've done. It's his hand alone. The gospel is God saves the helpless. And that's one of the reasons we baptize our children. Why God commands that our children receive the sign of the gospel. We baptize our babies for a lot of good reasons. We baptize, it be, or we baptize the babies because Yahweh is a God of generations that has said, I'll be a God to you and your children, to Abraham, and he's the same God of the same gospel that Peter proclaims. I'll be a God to you and your children. We baptize our babies because that's the way the church has always worked. It's always been believers and their children. Abram and his house were circumcised. Lydia and all her house were baptized. We baptize our babies because we belong to that same church as Abraham and Moses, the Israel of God, the church of the Old and the New Testaments who waits for our entire salvation in Christ the Messiah. We're part of the same church of the Old and New Testaments that trusts in the vicarious death of Christ on the cross for all of our sins. We baptize our babies because of our text this morning, Exodus 15, the whole church was baptized in the cloud and the sea. But on top of all of that, all those good reasons, one of the, my favorite reasons that we baptize babies is because it's a picture of how grace works. Baptism is liquid gospel. It's a declaration that God saves the helpless. While we were weak, while we were helpless at the right time, Christ died for us. And we get to see a picture of that when we baptize our babies. We see a visible representation of how grace works, that we did nothing and God did everything. It's a sacrament, not a sacrifice, because salvation is God's hand alone. And the comfort of that is we get to rest in that. We get to rest in the fact that our entire salvation had nothing to do with my hand. Nothing in my hand I bring. The only time the hand of the believers comes up in this text is at the end of it, in the gratitude portion. The only time a believer's hand comes up is in the praise for so great a deliverance. Verse 20, Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, 
took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. The song of Moses, Miriam, and Aaron is a song about the hand of God, not our hand. It's a song about resting in work I did not do. And the good news is that means I can only lift a finger after the fact. I lift my hand in praise not to save myself, but in response to so great a deliverance. I lift my hand in praise for so great a salvation that came from outside of me, from the hand of God alone. The gospel is God saves the helpless. Our salvation comes from his hand alone. That means all our salvation was accomplished by a God who's infinitely more powerful than anything else in all creation. And now we come to point two, salvation by God's hand of might. God completely overwhelms the enemy, the strongest enemy, because he's the maker of heaven and earth. And that means nothing in all creation, nothing in earth and heaven, not me. Nothing is strong enough to separate you from the love Christ Jesus has for you and that God has for you in Christ Jesus. Verses 4 and 5, Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea. His chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. When we talk about the might of a country, we can talk about it in terms of the latest and greatest equipment. We see a lot on the news about where we send tanks and guns and airplanes. But that's a quantifiable show of force. That's, that's an easy way to measure the strength of our country. In the ancient world, the latest and greatest equipment was chariots and horses. So your tanks, your guns, and your airplanes were actually just horses and chariots. The might of your armies, your help, your strength, your ability to save yourself was measured in chariots and horses. But God's hand is mightier than all of it. The picture here is shock and awe. The world's full might, the full might of the world's militaries trembles and gets utterly destroyed by the God of Israel by your God. They're blown away by the breath of his nostrils. This is the God who utters his voice and the earth melts. His right hand shatters the enemy. And as the superpowers of the time hear about this God, they quake with fear. The God who buries chariots causes them to be afraid. The Lord is a man of war. His name is Yahweh. Yahweh, the covenant God of his people. He fights for us. And that's really good news for his people. It's really bad news for his enemies. Philistia, Edom, Moab, and Canaan tremble with dread before this God until his people pass by. And the good news is that means the great enemies of your soul, sin, death, Satan, and hell, those enemies also quake with fear before the God who saves us, who fights for us, and who delivers us safely through them into life everlasting. Apart from this God, you and I were helpless. The enemy thought he had us. When Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he talked as if you belonged to him. He talked as if the kingdoms of the earth were his. He thought he had you, just like the Egyptians thought they had you. Verse 9, the enemy said, I'll pursue, I'll overtake, I'll divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I'll draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. That was Satan's heart toward you, his attitude towards you. He thought you were his to plunder. And apart from Christ, he was right. Outside of Christ, there was no reason for hope. He did have you. 
But the gospel is God saves the helpless. God saves his helpless people. Your salvation is from his hand of might. And that's really good news because it means in Christ, he's had you safely in that mighty hand since eternity. Not even the gates of hell can stand against you, his church. Nothing in all creation can stop you from passing from death through death into life with God forever. Who's like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who's like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? His power overwhelms anything and everything that would stand between you and life with him. The enemy quakes and steps aside. It has no claim over you, and it has no match for his might. The enemy quakes and steps aside so that you can pass forever into everlasting life safely by his hand of might. And the good news is that means nothing can stop your salvation. Nothing is strong enough to stop your salvation because it's accomplished by the hand of God's might. But not only has our covenant God triumphed gloriously through the greatness of his majesty, he's triumphed gloriously through his fury. That brings us to point three, salvation through his hand of judgment. (laughs) Baptism is liquid gospel because it tells us God saves us through judgment. He saves us by bringing us safely through the judgment and judging our enemies. We've seen this over and over again in the scriptures. As we look at scripture over and over, this is the message. Last time I was here, we looked at how Pharaoh's household gets the plague. Sarai doesn't. The plagues come down on Egypt to save Israel. And in our text, the waters that drown Pharaoh and his army are the same waters God uses to save his people. Salvation comes through his hand of judgment because baptism is liquid gospel. In baptism, God declares to us and our children that we have made it through the waters of judgment and those waters can't hurt us anymore. Those waters can only save us. This is verses 7 and 8. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. God saves his people through judgment. The waters of judgment pile up at his command, and he comes in the spirit of the day to judge his enemies and yours. Verse 10, you blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. This is the wrath of the Spirit of God poured out on the enemy, but it can't touch you. Baptism is liquid gospel because it tells us God's wrath is only good news for us now. In Christ, the water judgment that should kill you is the same thing that saves you. It should drown you. It should overtake you. It should consume you. But now it can only sprinkle you. That's why we sprinkle Because Christ drank the deep cup of God's wrath in your place. Christ is the the Messiah of Psalm 69 who cries out, Save me, O God, for the waters are in my throat. But he cries that out so that you and I will never drown in judgment. He's the promised Savior who drank the cup of God's wrath for you, and that cup is empty. The waves of God's wrath have no more right to roll over you because they rolled over Christ's soul. And the waters of judgment aren't scary for you anymore because Christ is your covering 
as you go through them. And He brings you safely through to dry ground. In Christ, not even a grave is bad news for you. In verse 12, we read that it's not just the sea swallowing the Egyptians. In verse 12, we see that it's the land. The earth swallows the Egyptians because the grave is claiming what is rightfully His. The grave claims the Egyptians because they don't belong to Jesus. They belong to the grave. But even though the earth claims the Egyptians, it has no claim, no right over the Israel of God. In Christ, the grave is good news because it swallows your enemies, but you are raised with Him. And judgment is only good news for you. It's the good news that in all my distress and persecution with uplifted head, I await as judge the very one who already offered himself to the judgment of God in my place. Christ will cast his enemies and mine into everlasting condemnation, but he will take me and his chosen ones to himself into the joy and glory of heaven. Salvation is by God's hand of judgment. His wrath consumes the enemy, but it spares us, it saves us, and it can never touch us again. The waters can't scare us anymore because we've been brought through them in Christ. And now those waters can only save us from all that would hurt us. God uses wrath to deliver his helpless people. Salvation by his hand of judgment. God saves helpless people. But finally, that brings us to point four. He's wrapping up. Salvation is for life in his hand forever. Baptism is liquid gospel because it tells us that God has brought us through the waters. But He's brought us through the waters for something, for life with Him in new creation, everything we were made for. The waters of judgment separated us from Him. But now those waters have been parted so that we can live with Him on dry ground in New Jerusalem. And that story is a drama as old as creation. The great story of creation is that waters prevent us from living with God. The creation story starts at the beginning where there's chaos. It's shapeless and void. There's water everywhere and the Spirit is above the waters. There's no place for God to live with His people because water stands in the way. God separates the sea from the sky and the land from the sea and He makes a holy mountain in Eden. The prophet Ezekiel tells us that Eden was a mountain of the Lord, and God made that mountain His holy dwelling so that He could live with us and we could live with Him. He could dwell with us as our God. We could dwell with Him as His people. Adam's sin drove us from God's holy mountain. It drove us away from life with God forever, and we were driven east of Eden. And after that, God's wrath came down like a flood on Adam's sinful descendants. But God saves believing Noah and his family. He brings us safely through the water that separates us. He puts Noah and his family back on dry ground. And God does the same for his Israel in our text this morning. He brings his Israel through dry ground so that we can live on his holy mountain. Verse 13, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. You will bring them in and plant them on your holy mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. That's verse 17. As Yahweh brings us through the Red Sea in this text, 
And as he promises his people that will live with him in his physical promised land and physical Mount Zion, he's really promising something better. He's promising the city with foundations whose builder and designer is God. He's promising life and new creation. He's promising the better mountain of the Lord, the better holy place. Yahweh's promising his people that the real Mount Zion is where we'll live, the city of the living God with innumerable angels and festal gathering of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. And we will live with him there and with the spirits of the righteous made perfect because of Jesus Christ, the mediator of a new covenant whose sprinkled blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. In Christ, the end of our story is safe passage through the water and the fire so that we can live with him forever. We will live with him on his holy mountain in the temple made without hands, but by his hand, and we'll live and reign with Christ in New Jerusalem forever. The waters don't touch us again because the sea in new creation is frozen solid like crystal and glass. We live on top of a frozen sea. Waters don't touch us again. We worship him and live with him in his presence forever on top of those waters that can't touch us. Because salvation is for life in his hand forever. And in Christ, the promise is Psalm 36, verses 7 through 9. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your Edens. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Baptism is liquid gospel because it tells us God saves helpless people. He saves us by his hand alone, through his hand of might, by his hand of judgment, so that we can live in his hand forever. He saves us so that we can enjoy everything we were made for, loving and enjoying and worshiping and serving with him, living with him in blessedness eternally to the praise of his glory. And we get to do that world without end. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for watching or listening to our podcast. Belgrade URC is a Bible-believing, reformed, confessional church that seeks to cultivate community around our Savior. If you desire to learn more about Christianity, please join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. If you're not able to attend church, you can tune in to our Sunday live stream through our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our current sermon series and weekly meditation through iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. If we are not listed on your favorite podcasting host, please let us know through our webpage, urcbelgrade.com. You can also utilize our archive sermon series on our website, urcbelgrade.com. Most of all, we hope to see you sojourning and fellowshipping with us each Sunday. Until we meet again, may the Lord's blessing and peace be upon you.